Dude. Yo, what's up, man? There's a lion behind you. Oh. Yeah, that's my happy life lion. No, that... He doesn't look happy. He looks hungry. Nah. It's cool. He's a digital lion. No, I'm... I'm pretty sure he's a hungry lion. Nah, he'd only be violent if I had violent thoughts. Dude! Dude, Crypto, look out, dude! Great. Now who's gonna fry my eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Codex Cantina. I am Una. I am the lion. <laughs> Crypto. And today we're doing The Velt by Ray Bradbury. Yes. It's a good one. Came out in 1950 in an issue of the Saturday Evening Post. Uh, and this is a piece that makes me feel like I need to be a better parent. <laughs> <laughs> right? Take all your electronics from your son. <laughs> what, were, what were your initial thoughts? Because we read this for like the spooky vibe. Did it work for you? Was it spooky? No, no. It, it definitely felt more sci-fi, less spooky. Oh, okay. um, Maybe eerie. Eerie. Because if you had the right tones or you had like kind of the right ambiance and music with it, it could definitely be eerie. I, I, I had a little bit of that vibe when I read it. Okay, yeah. So I, I guess a little bit. You know, like in like those those movies where you have like the the rumbling, like throughout the scene. Like I had that playing in my head as I was reading this. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try. I'm gonna have to try to imagine that. All right, quotes. That's just it. I feel like I don't belong here. The house is wife and mother now, and nursemaid. Can I compete with an African velt? Can I give a bath and scrub the children as efficiently or quickly as the automatic scrub bath can? I cannot. Does that not perfectly summarize this piece? Yeah, I think that's the only quote we need. That's good. <laughs> that was that's great. It. That's, that's it. it. All right. So with that, we're going to head for the, the, quickest, the quickest we've ever headed into plot and then the, our discussion. So we're entering spoiler zone now. Uh, the Hadley family live in an automated home called the Happy Life Home. Machines tie their shoes, bathe them, and cook their food. The children, Peter and Wendy, become fixated on the nursery, a virtual reality room able to create any environment that also measures the mind's psyche and status. George tells Lydia he doesn't like the feel of the room. Keeps seeing lions in the savannah there. They call psychologist David McLean, who suggests that they leave the house and turn it off. The room has become a channel for destructive behavior. The kids beg to let them play in the nursery one last time, which the parents allow. However, they soon lock the parents in the room with the lions. When David returns, he can't find the parents, but spots the lions eating something in the distance. So we assume the children murdered their parents with lions. Uh, digital lion room. <laughs> that's a pretty awesome ending, though. You gotta admit, even if you don't like the story, that's a pretty awesome ending. It's very Ray Bradbury, right? Yeah. You get like that kind of creepy woo feeling. Yeah, yeah. I always like I like his endings. I really do like his endings. I know that probably says yeah. something about me, but <laughs> <laughs> I really like how disturbing it made me feel. Like... <laughs> I like how uncomfortable it makes me. <laughs> <laughs> I got all sweaty. All yeah. right. Um, my first point I want to bring up. Okay. Did you notice that the kids' name were Peter and Wendy? Which is a direct reference to Peter Pan. And maybe they always wanted to stay children. I don't know. So the, the kids in Peter Pan, right? They wanted to go to, to Never Never Land, where they yeah. would never have to grow up, where they never had parents telling them what to do, right? They could do whatever they want. They could go to bed when they want. They can eat what they want. They could eat what and when they wanted. 
And I feel like that's kind of what happens here. You got, I know you've got some commentary probably on raising kids, but just looking at it straight from the kids' perspective, what do the kids want? These kids, Peter and Wendy, want to go to their Neverland. Their Neverland is the African Velt, where no one tells them what to do. They can eat whatever they want. The house is going to cook them eggs for them. <laughs> it's going. When you Fry read that one, did you did you laugh out loud when she was just like, "Who's going to cook your eggs for you?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's so 1950. Yeah. Um, but but you know that. The idea is that these kids are taken care of. They don't have to worry about parents or, or what to do. I thought this was a, a very interesting and haunting look at, at a re-envisioning of Peter Pan and Never Neverland with these kids. So I, I don't know if you, if you thought about that too much. No, yeah, and because I kind of thought uh, of why children would be so enamored with the African uh, ideal here, the, the African Velt. And did you did you think about anything of why it's that landscape? No, I didn't think about the Velt specifically. To me, the Velt was Never Neverland. Okay. And it, it, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure with enough thought I could come up with something. But to me, it didn't matter that it was a Velt. It didn't matter that it was the lions. Those were MacGuffins to move the plot forward. Oh, really? To me, it was a, the. To me, it was. I'm sure there's something. I'm just saying I didn't think about it. Okay. Uh, to me, to what what my strongest takeaway was that these kids wanted freedom. And the parents weren't taking a parent role. They weren't raising their kids. They're, oh, we bought this, we bought this nursery. This nursery is going to feed the kids. This nursery is going to read them bedtime stories and tie their shoes. And they think everything's going to be perfect. But I think that that undermines the value of what a parent brings to that that child adult relationship, where kids need to be guided on things. And here we have the kids going off to Never Neverland where they never have to grow up and they can just live in this imaginary world and be okay. That, that That's that's where I took it, though I'm sure, you know, it sounds like you might have taken it a different way. I guess I just looked at it like the Velt was primitive and um, predatory, where the kids are predatory and they see their parents as weak, like the weak, the weak links of the pack. And they're gonna call the herd, <laughs> and that they are the strong ones, and they're the the young virile lions, and their mentalities were, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, were put, or they were visualized as a velt inside of the nursery. That's where I kind of thought about it, but. Maybe I looked too deep into it. When did you when did you realize that the room was going to impact the real world? I don't think actually think until the psychologist came back in that I realized oh, the the, the they killed the parents like with this room, um, like this it, is this is the holodeck <laughs> that just killed these his parents. For me, it was when they were outside discussing like oh my god this room like what are we gonna do, and then the the door shakes. Remember that. And while the room sure could make, you know, a door open and close and shake, I took that to mean that the lions in the room made the door shake. Like it was them hitting their paws against the door and it wasn't the Happy Life Room programming the door to shake. I took it as like the, oh, things can get real in there. That lion just made that door shake. That's a very serious room I'm not going back into. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I didn't, yeah, that's a... I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I say I was closer to the end of the story when I figured it out. How dated was the story, though? 
<laughs> oh yeah, definitely dated. Like some of the stories we've talked about before, are very dated. But I think it does a good job about talking about the precautionary tale of technology and the importance of maintaining communication. And I think oh, yeah. just like some other authors that we've read, this one is so relevant to today uh, where we don't have that interpersonal... We have so much dialogue, but we have no interpersonal communication. And that's one of the big you know, problems with today's society that this story kind of talks about is that interpersonal communication that's on the decline because of modern technology and phones and Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and all that. And it is dated, but it does hold true to what's happening in 2019. Well, you said no personal intercommunication. I think you said it better the second time with it's on the decline. Okay. And I think back to when I was younger, I think back to watching like, like, you know, E.T., when like there's kids everywhere at Halloween time. It's Halloween now, right? Yeah. There's, there's gonna there's gonna be kids walking out the neighborhood. I go out now, dude. It's nothing like when I was a kid, and it's yeah. nothing like what it was when our parents were a kid. Like, there's just something about the, you know, remember that old line like it takes a village to raise, you know, to raise raise a family or whatever. What is it? It takes a village to raise a idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but but the village, the village is going away. And it's just the parents and the kids now. Like, it's no longer that community sense. Hold this, like, on a grand scheme of things, uh, you know, there's a lot less trust with community. There's a lot, it's a lot, there's a lot more awareness of the dangers. And uh, it does rely a lot more, I feel like, direct parent to kid. And here we have in the story where the parents are failing to raise the kids. And I think that you brought up the point of trust there. There's not a lot of positive as well, right? There's not a lot of positive, there's no positive community to reinforce, uh, you know, good behaviors. It's all negative and it's all sterile uh, with the nursery that has no human emotions where the same thing as a kid today, they're, they're in their room on the internet, which I think is a great allegory for these kids in the nursery with the Velt. And there's no human interaction that is emotional mm. and positive. Mm. That's how I kind of looked at it. I like that. I like the idea of the, the internet being the allegory for the belt today. That, that's nice. And I think that it even even more so, real quick, uh, one last thing is, if you think of the nursery has the ability to read the minds, there are algorithms in Facebook and Google and all of those things where like, if you read a book, the book doesn't read you back. Where if you read something on the internet, it reads you back and starts feeding you things that you want, just like the belt did where it reads what those kids want and then either they kill the parents or the Velt did. And that's the argument some like lawyers make, right? Like, oh, it wasn't the kid that killed the parents. It was the video games. Like, it, this is an incredible story that, that, that needs to be read by everybody because this is happening. <laughs> I've, I've even heard of a story where the, the husband found out his wife was pregnant through their shared computer account. So he got on the internet and there was these ads for expecting a baby and, you know, join the baby registry here. And he's like, honey, (laughs) are you pregos? Yeah. Well, and the the wife didn't know either. 
it was just through questions and internet searches, somehow Google found out, figured out, guesstimated that she was pregnant before even she knew she was pregnant. <laughs> that's crazy that, that yeah. a computer can anticipate things about us. I mean, that that's that's where we are now. And this story from the 1950s was predicting where we are. You know? So let's wrap this up. What is your overall rating for The Velt by Ray Bradbury? I'm going to give this... As a cautionary tale uh, for overusing technology to raise your children, I'm going to give this a 7.5. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It's very close to mine. I'm going with an 8. Ocho. Okay. I think okay. it's. I think it. I think it's very good. I think. Uh, I think. I enjoyed this more the more I thought about it too. I think my initial reaction might have even been lower, but I'm like thinking about it, and I'm like, man. That was a good story. <laughs> I should have, yeah. I probably should have gone higher too because uh, you can go on YouTube and there's like this really cheesy 1970s um, shorts movie, short little film uh, that, you know, is all 1970s glory technology and uh, it's really bad. But I actually sought that out and watched it after I read the story because I was like, I wonder what this would look like as a movie. Uh, and using 1970s technology it's really funny so uh you know youtube that out there and uh watch that and see how hilarious it is but uh so maybe i should get it higher because if i'm going and wanting to watch a a movie based on this story uh i obviously enjoyed it so okay so last question between this and a sound of thunder which one was more appropriate for the halloween theme um this one it's not okay. it, it's not a horror story, but it's very eerie. Um, and if like you ha- if the children had like these dead eyes, like children of the corn, and they had no expressions all the time, and they're like it looked like they had Botox, you could make this super <laughs> creepy. Like you could make this super creepy and eerie. You really could. I want to apologize to any viewers out there that have Botox. You're cool. <laughs> Crypto's not saying you're creepy. But he, he kind of is. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, checking us out. Please consider subscribing for more of our videos and literary analysis on future videos. Smash the like button. Peace.